Welcome to another wonderful episode of the Corridor Cast. Today's guest is Richard Ryan. He's an all-around magnificent person. You may know him from his YouTube channel, Full Mag, or from the Black Rifle Coffee Company, or as a wingsuiter, or halo jumper, or skydiver, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, he's uh, he's a modern-day renaissance man. Um, he knows about everything from YouTube analytics all the way through to what it's like to almost jump out of an airplane while you're passed out to what it's like to start a coffee company and um well and work with a bunch of guys to grow that from the ground up so the ground up did you catch that okay anyway we'll get to that in just a second but first i wanted to tell you about today's sponsor sam gorski that's right he decided to write this book top 10 games you can play in your head by yourself along with uh our friend david lovett uh or were they the editors I don't know. But either way, the book's available now. Uh, just go to our website, corridordigital.com. There's a link to it right there. Um, it's available. It's a real thing. Richard, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for coming to town. Thanks for having me. By. Yeah. So you just had a lot of time freed up in your schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Right? What mm-hmm. were you supposed to be doing? Um, I probably shouldn't say her name, but we were filming a piece on a Halo Jump Master out in Lake Elsinore yeah. and Air Force was getting a little bit weird about us filming on her because she's kind of the face of the recruiting campaign. So it, you you run a really fine line as a for-profit company and what you can and can't do with the military because then it shows kind of like an endorsement. Right. So is it, she in the military? She is. She's okay. in the reserves right now. Okay. She's a badass. She's like one of the few Halo jump masters ever. So what exactly is a jump master? Well, it's essentially the instructor who's training these um, these people for Halo certification jumps. Gotcha. What, is, what does Halo mean? Uh, high altitude, low opening. That means your parachute opens at a low altitude? Correct. Correct. So low, you I jump mean, jump at a high like, altitude? Yeah. So, okay. so high altitude, would, technically you're supposed to, I, I'm not exactly sure. I think you're supposed to have oxygen over 16,000 feet. And maybe 14,000 feet, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, you start thinking about things like Mount Everest, where it's like 32,000 feet or something along those lines. Commercial airliners fly around 35,000 feet. Yeah. Um, it becomes really necessary around 24,000, 25,000 feet. Okay. Um, I did a couple of halo jumps here, I don't know, a few years ago and went hypoxic in one of them. And it's, uh, it's a pretty serious ordeal. What does that mean? <laughs> um, it's oxygen deprivation. So... It's, uh, I have, I have one of these really weird kind of attributes where I'm somewhat of a light sleeper, but I think it's a byproduct of being, or whenever I was younger, I, I used to sleep in a lot and I'd be worried that my mom would like come in and she'd like, she'd be like, Richard, it's time for school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and immediately I would just like, I, I pop up. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm ready to go. And like, I was just came out of being asleep. So it's like, I have this thing pre-programmed in my head where it's like, Oh, I just wake up and tell people exactly what it is that they want to hear. So I'm like maybe sleeping <laughs> a little bit consciously. And so the jump master, I guess uh, my my O2 system wasn't giving me enough oxygen or whatever. So he's hit like hitting me on my leg and he's like, ready to exit? And I'm like, and I'm out. I'm unconscious. And like, so you look on the cameras and everything. He's like, oh, okay. I can see where he thinks that I'm. And he goes like, pop, pop, pop on my leg. And then I'm like, 
thumbs up and I'm out. And so he goes and like pushes me like, get the fuck out of the plane. <laughs> and pushes me over and I fall over. Out of the plane? No, no. Oh. Inside the plane. Oh, so God. Th- yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have woke up at about probably 15,000 feet um, if I wasn't in a flat spin or something like that. But um, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. But um, that's scary. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's part high. of the job, I guess. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's a it's a real deal for sure. So so the uh, jump was kiboshed, I guess. Just for that just, one was that one. Okay, yeah. I see. Yeah. I went back down to the ground and uh, everything was good. You know, okay, we did some medical tests and everything, and I'm I was good to go back up later on that afternoon. So. Nice. Was that re- what since you've been here? No, that was probably twenty. I want to say twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. Okay, something like that. So what got you into jumping out of airplanes? Relativity media actually for active valor they were they were like hey look we we really like you we want you to do something to promote the film can you got give us a, a pitch deck of things that you could do and i was like i'll do this on breaching with c4 plastic rdx explosives deck cord whatever yeah i'll do something on drones and i'll do something on halo jumps or whatever and they're like yeah all that's good do them all i'm like what what no which one and they're like no all of them all of them Okay, cool. Uh, I guess I got to learn how to skydive. <laughs> so that that was like a that was a pretty pretty surreal moment because I never really wanted to skydive, right? There was just something that never. I, I'm terrified of heights and things along those lines. So one of my good friends, Dave, was like, "Oh no, I want you. Oh, oh like I want you to learn to skydive because I want to learn to skydive and everything." And like, so if I didn't have him going with me. Like at the same time pushing me, I probably wouldn't have stuck with it. But I'm pretty analytical about risk versus reward on certain things. So I had to get in there and I had to start looking at statistics, how many people have died and like what are the injuries associated with it and everything. And it's actually kind of interesting, like the the statistics that you hear people quote versus like what, you know, what causation versus correlation and things along those lines actually dictates certain things or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so what was interesting was I was looking at how many people died skydiving. Then they encompass everything from people in high performance canopy maneuvers, you know, swooping and things along those lines to everyone doing tandem jumps and things along those lines. And it was like, Oh yeah. So the, the person who's strapped to an instructor is in the same category as somebody who's competing at the highest of a level in a very, very, very small canopy going straight at the ground. Right. So after I saw that stuff and how few people were actually injured under student canopies and things along those lines, it's like, okay, I can give it a shot for sure. And then once I got into it, you know, after like six or seven jumps, I was like, oh, wow, this isn't even bad at all because there's a forward speed on the aircraft. And when you exit, you don't get that feeling of falling. They call it the hill where you're essentially just sliding down a slide. Even though you are exiting the airplane, the forward speed keeps that sensation of falling oh. from happening um and then you're kind of really just looking at google maps and 120 mile per hour winds or whatever it is <laughs> and, and then so like your your brain really can't make it all out like you like i if i look at a two-story three-story building over the edge from the roof or whatever like here i'm like oh, oh no i can't like, i don't want to get too close to the edge you know or whatever but then from an airplane it's like oh, okay whatever like relative perspective it just really isn't there so, wow. Yeah. So when did you start um, doing high altitude jumps? Uh, that was probably 2013 or 2014. Um, what What's the difference, I guess, between a regular old just jump and that? Yeah. I mean, the, well, the, the consequences are greater 
especially because you're dealing with so many different variables. You're adding different things to the equation with your equipment. So normally you just have like your, your skydiving rig, your helmet and everything else. Well, now you're, you're bringing in an oxygen tank an oxygen mask, you know, are you getting a good seal around your face and things along those lines that you need to be clean shaven? Uh, a lot of different things there, but then the, depending on the altitude, that's where the, the consequences go up for the greater you, the, the greater, the height you go 24,000 okay. feet. It's not nearly as risky as 30 or 35,000 feet. It's way riskier than 30 because, I mean, it's essentially a dead zone, right? Because you, how many people you hear going up to uh, Everest and, and dying along the way, and there's just bodies littering the, the path to the summit, and people just don't have the, the gas to get them off of the mountain and things along those lines. So you're essentially higher than that. If you break the seal, you're not going to get enough oxygen to be able to sustain uh, consciousness. Really? Mm. Yeah. That's insane. So that's the risk as you could pass yeah. out. Mm. Yeah. And then not well, have enough oxygen in your brain to survive. Yeah. Well, flying through the air in the sky when that happening. Yeah. 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 That's a risk. <laughs> it's a risk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I find it incredible though, that like of, I guess of all the jump masters who are, I guess, training for this, you know, it's like there's two you said? Well, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, know. I don't know the, the exact I'm not number. I'm talking the exact but numbers. You probably count on your hand how many female jump masters or uh, halo jump masters. I see. And so she's one of them. She's just a phenomenal chick. She's awesome. What you were filming, uh, so, so you're working, in, you're shooting it. What were you shooting? Were you shooting like an independent, or you came here to shoot an independent thing, or is this something with the mm-hmm. Air Force, or like what was, what's that like? Yeah. So, um, so I'm one of the owners in Black Rifle Coffee. And mm-hmm. so, Back in the day when we we first started it, we were looking at you know the different different ways to grow the company and mm-hmm. and early on, Matt and Matt Best and my channels like had significant YouTube followings and yeah. his Facebook and whatnot. So we relied heavily on that organic reach and a lot of the content that we did was very much shock and awe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the stuff that I do, blowing things up, him and his walkthroughs and and whatnot. So whenever I left. Uh, rated red to focus on black rifle coffee full time. What I really wanted to do was kind of um, add more depth to the brand and the stories that we tell. Mm-hmm. So we still have the entertainment based stuff that the humor driven content, but I wanted to add some type of inspirational quality to it that you know, I have so many cool people in my life, uh, people who work for us, people who are friends of the company and things along those lines that have amazing stories. And so now we have a platform to tell it. I just wanted to take it out as an opportunity, especially with the, you know, it's a black rifle copy has more of a, um, I would, I would say a, a veteran defined, like, you know, uh, definitely voice. And so a lot of the stories we try to tell are the veterans within our community and, and people who may still be serving. And so Tiffany's just been a, a really good friend of, you know, a lot of my partners and, and whatnot. So I wanted to tell her story. We had, uh, Sean Evangelista is a former dev crew guy. Uh, he was in, uh, Sun Valley Ski Patrol went up there and told his story along with some of the other guys in the company. So it's just really trying to tell in, you know, five to 10 minutes, try to do these guys justice and, you know, what it is their story or what their story is. And then the transitioning process that they went through from government service into civilian life. I see. Yep. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, like uh, of all the, like the top guys at Black Rifle Coffee, are you the only one who, 
who hasn't actually like actively served. Correct. Um, yeah. how, how does that feel working with them because of that? <laughs> yeah, it's it's not like it's a chip on the shoulder or anything like that. We we, we no, they don't just they're not always like nudging no, you and revenue. Oh, you. absolutely! You better believe that. <laughs> Dang so, so we did a we did a video we did a video for Halloween and it's it's hilarious that it's like um, if veterans were in horror movies or something along those lines, uh-huh. it's on Matt's channel and it's like. Like all of my partners coming in, you know, into the house for this Halloween video. And it's like Evan Hafer, Army Special Forces, you know, like, you know, Army veteran Matt uh-huh. Bess, like, you know, Army Ranger, like Army veteran. And then JT, like Air Force veteran. It's like Richard Ryan, YouTube veteran. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. I remember that. Yeah. 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 It's 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 funny. Like it really doesn't bother me. We joke around back yeah. and forth and everything, but it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, are those guys Halo jumping though? No. So I, yeah, I see don't, there. There I, you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know if anyone. Um, I know Evan had. I think he had his free fall certification, but none of them have their licenses, and that's something we were going to try to work on for Matt this year was to get his license and everything. But yeah, I mean, like. <laughs> Not that they're they're afraid of it or anything. It's just there's a, it's a significant time commitment, and yeah. uh, it's not everybody's cup of tea for sure. Yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, are you still doing uh, wingsuit? I am. Jumping? Yeah, yeah. Um, How's that going? Yeah, it's it's going. It's going. It's um, you know like don't want to play like the 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 little violin here or anything, but you know you get you get into. I'm a very analytical person, uh, and I you. You know, I look at the statistics and skydiving and things along those lines, and that's what got me into the sport. And yeah. The ability to rationalize the risk versus the reward. I got into wingsuiting, and like I can honestly say that there's really nothing remotely close to it in life for me right now. It's uh, easily one of the most spiritual, uh, most um, engaging, most present thing that um, or requires me or whatever. I don't know how, how I put it, but there's, there's a really good book that I read that actually summed it up really well. And I didn't really know what I was trying to say to people till I read the book. It's called stealing fire. I forget who the author is, but essentially it, it like the stories are great. It talks about like these, these guys, uh, from, you know, these deaf crew guys or Navy SEALs, um, to, um, professional athletes who are at the top of their game. Yeah. And it, essentially they call it flow state. It's a frame of mind where you're just um, very present in the moment. You're, you're in the zone, so to speak. And it talks about, you know, them and how they're able to react in a very um, natural way that doesn't require communication, but everyone's in tune with each other and different people achieve it different ways. You know, it talks about burning man and, and how people do it through microdosing, uh, hallucinogenic, uh, substances and things along those lines too. I forget this, 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 uh, chick's name, but she's, uh, I believe a skier or a snowboarder. She was like, you know, one of those, those big mountain, um, skiers back in the day. And she was mm-hmm. always like chasing these, these really, really dangerous lines to being the first person to do it and everything. And had so many close calls with death and she was constantly getting in that state and she just quit at the top of her game. And a lot of people, um, you know, we're dying, you know, trying to do the same stuff and things along those lines. And when she got into yoga and then she said like, after like six months, she was able to achieve that same flow state as, you know, whenever she was at the highest level doing these things. 
And it's interesting because I hear guys like Andy Stump talk about it and everything. And it's something that I've kind of had to deal with the last few years. Um, Probably 2013 or 2014 was a really heavy year as far as the wingsuit community was concerned because wingsuiting and skydive, um, or let me rephrase that, wingsuit skydiving and wingsuit base are two completely different things. Mm. Um, Skydiving is, in my opinion, more dangerous than wingsuit skydiving because when you're falling... Uh, in a group of say like five people, you're relatively close to each other. And then upon deployment altitude, you separate and you're still relatively close. And the bulk majority of injuries and fatalities come from canopy related incidents. If it's a, a parachute malfunction where they have to cut away, they cut away into somebody who's below them or canopies collide or the pattern gets too tight on landing and stuff like that. But when you're wingsuiting, you know, at 3000 feet, you just fly away from each other. You got a glide ratio. You can fly a thousand feet away from somebody before you mm. deploy. So you just taken that 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 out of the equation. The big injuries and fatalities come from well, more fatalities than injuries is from proximity base, and that's the, what most people perceive wingsuit flying as is flying down the mountains and things along those lines, base jumping, dead air jumps, and whatnot. And uh, that was a pretty heavy year. Like we lost. I, I mean, I don't use it lightly. I'd say probably like 20 plus friends uh, or 20 plus acquaintances, probably two really, really good friends. One who was like, it, it really uh, impacted me in a really like um, significant way. Um, it, was, it was really tough. Uh, I noticed I started flying extremely conservative, which is probably not the best of things too. even from skydiving perspective. You want to you want to be super in tune. You want to yeah, I don't want to say take risks, but, you know, flying aggressively or flying more instinctively than conservatively generally yields better results. Hmm. And um, so the last few years and everything, it's just been a uh, it's it's been a, a thing psychologically and dealing with. And, you know, it's one reason why I was really excited to get back out here and you know, see some of my friends and get a bunch of jump time and and uh, sign off on my pro rating and all this other stuff that I'm working on. So, wow. Yeah. Um, so you're prorating. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that's going to require you, that's going to allow you to, um, from what I understand, skydive into public facilities. Yeah. Yeah. Demonstration jump. So I can jump into stadiums or, you know, sporting events or, or like or a corridor live event. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that- yeah. So you can like just ditch the Uber and yeah. basically like land right in your seat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to notify the FAA beforehand, but <laughs> Because okay. <laughs> they have to, they have to clear that air traffic, you know, depending on the altitude that I uh, exit at and everything. But yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. That's one of the things we're looking forward to this year is doing a few demonstration jumps with uh, Black Rifle Coffee and whatnot. What's uh, what's like your what, what's your goal or the first destination you want to land in? Um, you know, I really don't know. I'll take it as it comes. But I think the the NASCAR race at Texas Motor Speedway, since we have a good partnership with them, is probably going to be one of those because JT sang the national anthem out there last year. And I think we're going to plan like somewhat of a, a big event this year where we'll have like a, a Drinking Bros podcast out there. We'll have our LMTV out there, the big coffee truck, light, medium, armor vehicle. Um, mm-hmm. And well, we'll jump in me, Andy Stomp and Trevor Thompson and uh, have a have a good old time out there. That's awesome. That'll kick off the race or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. sweet, man. Yeah. What's your wingsuit look like? What kind of pattern you got on there? Well, the one I have with me, hilariously <laughs> enough, is uh, toothless. 
from How to Train Your Dragon. Really? Nice. <laughs> oh, wow. That's <laughs> like, I know, I feel like, I, like it's, it's, it's so funny because I get so many mixed reactions from people. They're like, what? <laughs> what? And some people are like, oh my God, that's so cool. That's so cool. Because it's like, that's honestly like one of my most like favorite movies because it, it, it gets wingsuiting and skydiving exactly right. Exactly right. It's like on the nose. Like uh, they had some consultants or some friends of, you know, the communities and whatnot there. And um, I, I I was working with 20th Century Fox on a few different campaigns like Madagascar's Penguins and stuff like that. And I had this wingsuit made just out of spec. I was like, I want to do this. I want to do a How to Train Your Dragon like Brandon video. It's like, I don't even care if you guys do it or not. I want to do dragon racing in real life. And <laughs> like, if we have to get some like cosplay Vikings mm-hmm. to ride us and like, you know, carrying the sheep and stuff like that. I want to do it. I want to do it. But it, they ended up not going for it because of the liability reasons and everything. So like, I don't care. I'm still going to get the wingsuit. Right. <laughs> yeah. You should do that. That'd be a good video. Yeah. A lot of fun. Um, are you still, you said at one point, I don't know if you're still doing this, but when you were wingsuiting, you were going for a, 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 dis- a horizontal distance record. Did well, you ever pursue that any closer? We did. That was one of those things where um, I, I feel like a tourist in a lot of ways. Cause like I've said in the past that I feel like I'm just um, living vicariously through myself and that, <laughs> Like I'm, I'm just like everybody else. I'm like watching myself do these things like on YouTube and and whatnot. And I almost feel like a tourist in a lot of ways, especially some of these, these sporting type activities where, you know, there's, I've been doing it for eight years, but there's guys who've dedicated, you know, their lives and their careers to wingsuiting and things along those lines. Mm -hmm. So I felt like it was just kind of a, um, I don't know, it was, it was just a, it was a, the barrier for entry for some of those records is you could, you could pay to get to that point. Like you could, you could get an aircraft to get you to that point. So you could break those records and some people couldn't afford to do that. And if you have sponsors and stuff like that, you arguably could. So it was like, I don't really want to be the dude who just like goes out there and smashes all these dudes records that, you know, like, like Jonathan Flores, uh, he set a bunch of records. Um, and you know, he was, um, a, a great innovator in the sport. Like he was, you know, in product development, camera flying and things along those lines. So he still holds a bunch of those records. And in my opinion, he just paid, he paid his dues and, and things along those lines. Like Andy Stump, you know, he got that horizontal distance record and flew, you know, like crazy, um, you know, his suit and, and whatnot. So it's like, eh, I don't know if I really want to pursue that stuff unless I'm, you know, working with one of those dudes to, right. you know, just break a, break a ton of records. Like right. us, like collectively go do something fun as a project versus me doing something solo i just it feels too selfish yeah no that makes sense especially given how small the community is and how like connected the sport is my ego does not need any stroke and for sure (laughs) it's funny (laughs) guys coca-cola is uh bringing this uh longest uh horizontal jump to you right from forty thousand feet oh yeah yeah exactly that's exactly it right no i get it uh so What's it what's it like working with the other Black Rifle Coffee guys? Like I mean, I would imagine everyone's kinda of have their, their own hobbies and interests and things like that. Yeah. How'd you guys get started too? You well know? yeah. So uh Matt I don't know if Matt reached out to me when, but uh you know, JT was a sound guy for me at Shot Show like ten years ago. Really? Yeah. Wow. It was it's crazy. He was a sound guy for me. 
And uh, I didn't put two and two together until Matt and I had actually met each other. And uh, him and JT were doing Article 15 together. And uh, I don't know if it's SHOT Show or what, but it's it's been a few years when he, he, the way he tells me is that, you know, he watched Totally Sketch and some of the other stuff that I did while he was deployed. And so that's why he, he was following me on social media and things along those lines and how we kind of got in, in touch with each other. And then... Uh, I think it was 2014, uh, Evan and the Article 15 guys did a sample uh, coffee roast thing. I, I forget what it was called. It was like Freedom Roast or something like that. Yeah. And um, they did it for Christmas. I think it was like 500 bags for Article 15, and it did really well. And so Evan, Matt, JT, and I were all talking about, um, you know, what could we do? Like, what's what's the best way to kind of go about this whole thing or like well you know richard has a a a large youtube following matt has a a a really growing fast um facebook following and things along those lines you know what can we all just kind of come together and start this thing black rifle coffee or whatever and um i think it was in january of 2015 it was either before or after shot show we kind of inked the deal on the company and salt lake city and then you know kind of you know, focused on it for a couple of years here and there. And, and, and then it really started catching steam and I want to say 20, 2017. Yeah. And then, um, and that forced, you know, the, the, the growth really, you know, forced Matt and JT and everybody to move up from El Paso to Salt Lake to focus on it full time. And then I resigned from rated red to come to Salt Lake to focus on it. And then we kind of relocated to San Antonio here last year. And it just keeps snowballing, keeps snowballing, and it's great. I mean, nothing will put stress on a, uh, a friendship like a business relationship, but uh, it's it's great. I mean, it, it's really it's really fascinating because you you look at the you know I, I've told a few people over the years that you know like I I value their friendship too much to go into business with them <laughs> and, and things along those lines because it's like like I know like as soon as you start thinking about money and things along those lines, it really has a way to strain and stress things. And I found over the years, the different jobs that I've had and the different executive roles and whatnot, um, you know, I don't want to say specifically any names or anything like that, but it was very lonely in a lot of ways because I didn't really like the people that um, I was working with in, in some way, shape or form. And it just didn't, it didn't click. It didn't feel like those people were my, my kind of people. And, um, you know, I I love Matt, Evan, JT, and all the people who work for us. Um, it's, it's, it's really, it's really humbling to be able to go into work and, you know, you get caught up in the small details of the day to day where you're like, man, this, man, we're not like, we're not, we're not doing enough. We're not doing this or we're not doing that. And you look at how much progress has been made in the last year the last eight months the last six months it's crazy it just blows your mind and i'm like and then and then you take a step back and like especially traveling like right now and everything you you think about like all the the just the the small things that they do that we don't technically like we're not we're not going out there tweeting about or putting on social media just they're good people like really good people and um you know i love them to death i mean it's 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 really humbling and it's a huge honor to have those guys as business partners for sure yeah well i also you know i i i look at what you guys are doing and like i it seems kind of like the next best step for what you could have 
been doing anyways because basically you know there's there's all that social media presence and you know you're kind of in a way you're kind of being able to kind of take that and do something a lot greater than just simply try and trade cash for views so to speak you know it's like it builds a community in i think a lot more productive of a way um and also it helps enable you guys to do what you want to do yeah in in a much more effective way than just trying to like you know subsist off of social media so to speak yeah i agree and you know there's i mean there's a lot of things to unpack there the way i like to put it is um maybe this isn't right maybe it is um the way i feel about it is uh i was at a a marketing conference and i was listening to some other cmos uh you know talk about different things and one of the guys said something that really resonated with me i forget what company he was he was uh, chief marketing officer for but um, it was something like Unilever or Procter & Gamble or something like one of the umbrellas mm-hmm. that owns uh, Unilever. And he was talking about this guy there that um, was buying artisan soap. And it was like $15, $10, bars of soap. And he's like, well, you know, we, we spend millions and millions and millions of dollars on supply chain management, cutting out the middleman. We own every aspect of production and distribution for the most part, outside of UPS and everything else, um, you know, we 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 make our soaps. We like all the fragrance. We do market research. We know exactly what fragrances you want. We're running these advertising campaigns to you, extremely strategic, like to the point of knowing when and where you want them, getting the cost down to next to nothing. And yet, instead of buying this three pack for three dollars that is exactly tailored to you, you're buying this fifteen dollar bar of soap from this guy why like why are you why are you spending your money like that and he's like well you know i don't know if i love this company but i love the hands that made it and i feel like with social media there's a huge disconnect with a lot of people in society these days they're yearning for uh some some type of meaningful connection and i think that the way that people spend their money is one really good way to establish that. And that's one reason why the type of content, the way everyone is outside of the content, like if people see us in person, things along those lines, mm. try to try to provide as much value um, with everything that it is that we do between the coffee, the subscription services, to the content, to just the people in, in person and things along those lines. And I think that's what's really resonating with people. You know, You see people like, you know, uh, Evan and Matt and JT, who you know dedicated their life to the service of their country, and they—I mean—they're badasses. They're, I mean, they're like they're—they're they're the most humble badasses you'll ever meet. But they're really, 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 really good people. Like, like their moral compasses are true north. I mean, they're just great people. And I think uh, a lot of a lot of people have a disconnect with the stuff that they're buying and things along those lines, and they just want that. They see Matt doing these these walkthroughs or me blowing this up or doing that. And it's like, well, I want to be a part of that. I want that in my life in some way, shape or form. And I mean, that's not to say that's the only reason. I mean, we, we make really good coffee, right? But it's not a saturated market either, right? There's there's not a lot of people competing for us. I mean, there's Starbucks and stuff like that, but there's not a lot of small batch roast to order companies out there competing with us in that sense. So, you know, I, I just feel like you you know, who knows, maybe the economy will shift and people won't have as much disposable income and then they'll go back to the Walmarts and they'll, you know, it, it's more about my family right now or, you know, like just being able to pay the bills and not yeah. being able to have 
extra money to spend on, you know, supporting creators or whatever it is. But I, I really feel that 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 disconnect in society is one of the driving forces in the success of a lot of uh, what we do and other people do. Not to mention, I mean, you look at you look everything uh, externally. It's like, you know, you know, we work with a lot of nonprofits like Warriors Heart Foundation, which is a rehab facility for people with. Um, you know, substance abuse and, and things along those lines. And the, we did a profile piece on the guy who runs that facility out there, Tom Spooner, one of the, the board members. And he is just an amazing dude. He's just an amazing dude. And, you know, we're surrounding ourselves with people who, you know, are actually doing, doing really, really, really meaningful work, really good, meaningful work out there. And, you know, I, I've, I've, I'm, I'm guilty of like, you know, certain times where you see nonprofit organizations and stuff like that, you're like, where's the money going to? Like, like I, I, I want to support a cause because I want to believe in something or I want to do, you know, I want to help out in some way, shape or form. And so being able to vet these, these companies and, you know, who we work with and things along those lines, I think a lot of people see that and they're like, yes, I, I, I want a part of that. I want a part of that. So, I mean, there's, there's, a, I mean, a lot to unpack there, and I know it just kind of went on a. No, it's a, interesting. Ran, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense too, because I feel like people certainly recognize that kind of anonymizing factor you get while you're online, so to speak. But you know, like money, money is a part of you. It's a piece of you. It's and it's a commitment to well, You know, it's, so you're not going to get it back. Well, you know? th- so that's the thing, is right. So all money, in my opinion, is is it's a representation of time and time's the commodity that we trade. Right. And that's the one thing we'll never get back. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like people are starting to understand the value of that and how precious, precious it is. So they're being a little bit more frugal or more strategic in how they spend it. Yeah. I yeah. suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's, it's the product itself is only one factor in that equation, but it's also like, the source of that product or the people behind it and et cetera, et cetera. For sure. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, looking right now with how kind of uh, your YouTube career has been and kind of like the current state of YouTube, I guess, in the sense of it's um, the, some of the, some of the insecurities that are happening right now, mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, you know, that, that, that mode of business is, it's kind of, a, I guess, curating and kind of, allowing that community um to kind of flourish kind of almost like outside of youtube in a sense because you guys kind of came you know you had you you've been on youtube you're still on youtube everyone is yeah but but um you know yeah, i'm not sure where i'm, where I'm going with no this. i know exactly what you're saying it, it allows you to it allows you to generate revenue outside of the youtube ecosystem yeah but you're still reliant on it unfortunately yeah. and that's that's the the sh- inherent struggle because yeah. you know you you they may take away the demonetization and you may find a way to remonetize outside of it, but you're still, I mean, YouTube's the second largest search engine out there and, and the distribution for content is just undeniable as far as SEO and organic through subscribers and things along those lines. And it's like, I need that. Yeah. I don't want to have to pay for it every single time. So it's, it's, it's really frustrating because it's like, well, while I may be able to make money outside of, the the typical business model which would probably be ad revenue driven and then switching it to uh consumer you know products or something along those lines consumables which is absolutely phenomenal because Mm -hmm. you know how many t-shirts can you buy in a year versus how many things are you going to eat in a Mm -hmm. year so 
Uh, it's, 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 it's a fantastic business model in some ways, but you're still beholden to the beast in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, I think kind of what I'm thinking here is, is a little bit of what we were talking about earlier with, I guess, this content you're creating, you know, mm-hmm. everything from like the original, like rated R, R channel to like the present day stuff you're shooting for black rifle and looking at how YouTube kind of treats that style of content yeah. and by by slapping a demonetization on anything firearms related context free it's kind of alienating an entire kind of group of people in sense and yeah and kind of what you're currently doing even though it's a, a coffee company kind of like at at its head it's kind of creating it's kind of like taking that community that would be maybe on youtube and you're creating a new platform for it you know a platform for people who are interested in military or veterans and things like that it's youtube is with that stuff is kind of pushing them away from their platform Mm -hmm. with uh instating these rules i wish they were a little bit more consistent with their terms of service and i just say that you know stemming off of your statement there in hopes that i know that a lot of YouTube content creators and hopefully mm-hmm. people in YouTube listen to this and things along those lines. But the frustration with me isn't necessarily the type of content and the the quote unquote censoring censoring that happens. Mm-hmm. It's the inconsistencies with their enforcement in, in certain things. Yeah. So it's like, um, you know, I've I've been fortunate enough to manage um, you know, companies worth you know, like like between Verizon and Hearst and you know, all the other movie studios and ad agencies that I've worked with over the years, millions of dollars and in, in marketing marketing money. And it's it's really frustrating to me that the, the Alphabet has so many properties like AdWords and YouTube, and they'll say, hey, look, you know what? We'll take $5,000, we will take $50,000, $100,000 from you to promote this video. And then two weeks later, YouTube will kill it for monetization. It's like, so AdWords, it can pay to promote it. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to run as an ad. But then the second you stop paying to run it as an ad will kill its organic reach through search and related videos because it's not suitable for advertising, which is hilarious to me because there's so many videos out there as a brand. I would, lo- I would love to be advertising on y'all's videos. Yeah. I'd love to be advertising on mine, but then they get demonetized. It's so frustrating. So, so, it's not, so it's not suitable for advertisement. Would you and you're the <laughs> and you're an advertiser at seeking to advertise on yes. it. Yes. And that and that and and, okay. and what's hilarious about it is you know like I, it's not hilarious, it's ironic that they come out short of their earning statement and I'm over here screaming, saying, Look, I'm 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 like I have all these other companies that I've worked with between ad agencies and studios that are literally begging to spend millions of dollars. And you're you're just your inconsistencies in how you enforce certain terms of service just makes it impossible because nobody wants to flush money down the drain. Yeah. And Facebook, you know, love or hate them, at least they're way more consistent with how they enforce their terms of service with advertisers and content creators. You know, YouTube is like it's 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 a blessing and a curse being so big because I feel like the the company itself. You know, like we've we've known so many people over the years. I mean, I mean, remember back in the day, you guys remember Eric B. Ah, the name's very familiar. So, Eric B. yeah, I don't want, I didn't want to throw his last name out there, but way back in the day, like 2010, you could hit him up and be like, because the homepage was curated. Be like, bro, 
I got, oh, I got yeah. like a, I got a video yeah. I've been working on. It's going to be so good. And then I like send him a Dropbox link or something like that and let him see a preview of it. And he's like, Oh yeah, that's great. And then you put it on the homepage, like whatever you upload and stuff. <laughs> oh, and now, now it's like there's certain issues that I've been trying to get taken care of, like little things like, you know, like Black Rifle Coffee's AdSense account. Like, like it's been running ads for like five years, but there's no payment ever been made. Wait, what? Yes. No. And so I'm like, hey, for How? like a year, hey, can we get some help with this? And it's and 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 going through trying to. There's no way to escalate things through uh, YouTube support and things along those lines. And I'm like, like I've gone through like probably 50 or 60 different email threads, just back and forth, back and forth. You need to talk. We'll pass this along to so and so. I'm like, ah, like how how can anybody afford the time? let alone the bandwidth and everything just to to be able to get some of these things done. It's insane. Yeah. Well, like, so what, what others, you said you, you guys are running subscription services of your own. Like, what, yeah. what does that entail? Like, okay. what, what, are, what, what are you doing? So, so coffee mm-hmm. uh, is, is a really fascinating consumable, right? Where you, you would think to the average person, whenever you, you go buy coffee, coffee's coffee, right? Well, mm-hmm. So whenever you roast it, it's not best right when it comes out of the roaster because you know, depending on the moisture content or you know the type of bean or whatever it is, it requires an off-gassing process to be able to achieve its 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 peak flavor profile. Now again, like flavor is completely subjective, right? To each their own. Some people like stuff that tastes like rubber tires that's over roasted. Some people like super light, you know, fruity, you know, notes or or, or whatever. Um, but Generally, the off-gassing process um, is a, a certain window, and then the peak flavor profile is another certain window. When you start adding in distribution cycles of like different, you know, uh, food or beverage manufacturers and stuff like that, by the time it gets to the store shelves, it's flattened out. It may not be bad, but it's flattened out the flavor profile. And for us. You know, we offer um, a subscription. This isn't a, a sales pitch. It is, but it isn't. Like I'm, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm just trying to trying to throw it out there. It's like, you know, our, our the idea with us being small batch roast orders. We have a roasting facility in Salt Lake and in Asheville, right? So we cover the east and the west coast. So whenever you order, we roast that and then we ship it. So in that shipping window, it's off gassing to ar- arrive at its peak flavor profile. We also have a coffee club subscription. So it's like, oh, I'm gonna, I usually drink X amount of bags of coffee a month. Well, instead of having to strategically like figure out what, you know, that best window is, you just sign up for the coffee club, you save money, you get free shipping. Um, and then the coffee arrives at its, its peak flavor profile. You can even mix it up. You can switch up your bags and, and stuff like that, try all the different things or do a random bag or whatever. And, and then on top of it, you know, we, we provide, we have a lot of really good, um, close connections with other manufacturers and brands and stuff like that provide discounts, uh, through their coffee club subscriptions. You know, we do exclusive content kind of like what you guys do through Patreon and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like our, we have like our, our own kind of little paywall for entertainment discounts and things along those lines. So the value proposition is through the roof, in my opinion, just for a bag of coffee. I mean, it's just, you can get a coffee club subscription for one bag of coffee and you're already saving on, on shipping for the month. So it, you know, everybody's different. You know, some people put a gallon of milk and, you know, a half pound of sugar in their coffee, you know, will you be able to taste the difference in, you know, store-bought coffee, um, you know, that's that's four or five months old if you're putting that much cream and sugar in it? I don't know. 
maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you're drinking, if you're drinking black, or if you really want to support, you know, a good company, a good group of dudes, and you know, all the great stuff that we do and everything, we feel like the value proposition is just it's through the roof. So um, I'm a little bit biased, <laughs> just, <laughs> just a little bit biased. Can tell, yeah. But I mean, it, it's great. Like we're planning on doing some trips this year. We're gonna uh, probably go to Ethiopia, and we're gonna go to Peru and a few other places and stuff like that. I mean, I, like, coffee was never really one of those things that I was drawn to. Evan, you know, he's he's the the man behind all of the stuff. He's the driving force, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's been for me. I like being a um, a student in general. I love learning new things. Like you know, be it be it in entertainment, media, advertising, and marketing, life in general. Like I just love learning about things. I just find it fascinating and coffee and just unpacking all the different nuances is just so much fun. Yeah, how do you even? get say i wanted to start a coffee company yeah what what where who, who do i go to what do i do well where do I'm, i buy coffee call me first <laughs> <laughs> call me first and then i'll then i'll, I'll put no, you we'd put rather you. support you guys no 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 no, no. i'll put you sure. in the no, and it's, see this is a funny thing though is it's so funny in that um who early on in my career i was extremely competitive i think all of us are hyper competitive you know and, and look at a lot of the things that we do and if we're racing carts or we're playing airsoft or whatever it is hyper 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 competitive but the the really funny thing is is over the last five or ten years though it's like like i was talking to phil defranco about this It's like you're talking about doing uh, a coffee with him or something like that potentially i am so legit excited to see my friends become successful because i would much rather you guys just kill the game in some way, shape, or form because I know you're great dudes, right? Where it's like, I'd rather you, you achieve some kind of great success than see some asshole along the way do it instead. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, I'd, all right. I'd rather, I'd rather much like my friends, like, right, yeah, you know, I'll be successful in all their endeavors, right? No, so. of course, man, of course. And that's how we feel. And that's, I think, why we've always grooved on everything we've done yeah yeah because we both have that philosophy but i just mean from like a logistics standpoint i i try to think about this just from an outside perspective and it, it seems like a logistical nightmare it is and there's so so many inherent struggles with um so many different things and that's where you have to like or i have to give credit to evan and matt the team and everybody in the company because it's it's one of those things where we're very fortunate in that you know, the content that we do too opens a lot of doors because a lot of people appreciate it. And they're like, Hey, like, you know, you, we love what you're doing. If you guys want to collaborate in some way, shape or form, but then, you know, like on it is another good example, being able to, you know, Evan being able to reach out to Aubrey Marcus or you're someone and say, Hey, I got this question or being able to reach out to these other guys and say, Hey, I got this question. I mean, just the network of people that you meet along the way, becomes invaluable so you can avoid the pitfalls of certain business choices or decisions that you know a lot of these guys have already made in the process so that's 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 no problem anytime anytime you have a question (laughs) please so you source it from all over the world well not right now not right now that's what we're looking at and and again like there's there's the logistical the costs and and things along those lines to be sourcing from ethiopia and peru and whatnot you know, Costa Rica and Guatemala are way closer. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just figuring out those, those kind of variables and what the consumer may want and things along those lines. Right. So, yeah. 
Wow. So in in making this, I guess, I'm going to call it a switch. I'm going to go ahead and call it a switch. I'm going to say you switched from uh, ad-supported content to product, to, to consumer-supported product. Yeah, you're cutting out the middleman. Yeah. That's... Yeah, I mean, you look at it this way. If... Um, if you if you are on an ad driven platform, and I know I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but you know, we rely on our CPM or cost per meal, uh, and you know, you say you make a, a good a good one would be five dollars. So on yeah. a million impressions, you get five thousand dollars, and I mean a million views. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot this day and age. And five thousand really, you know, when you're paying the light bill and rent in LA and insurance, like my license is just my destructive device license is three thousand dollars. And yeah, you start putting in all these permits and things along those lines. It adds up really quick. So it's like if I can get you know just just you know a fraction of a percent to convert and on anything, an ink pen, you know, like. Uh, I have a, a dollar margin on a pack of ink pens or something like that. And then, you know, I sell like 10,000 of them on a video that got a million impressions. Like, oh, wow, I just made $10,000 and I didn't have to be advertiser safe in some way, shape or form. I didn't have to, I didn't have to be scrutinized. I mean, you guys have, you guys have had to deal with it in the past. Like we've had some, some, some partners who yeah. really like to go around on those revisions. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, just, Hey, I know how to, I know how to speak to people who appreciate my content. Let me do it. Mm-hmm. Let yeah. me do it. Let me, let me speak authentically to the viewers. Well, that's, that's, I think the biggest, um, that's going to be the biggest thing for creators, uh, trying to do more than just make videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially over the next like five, 10 years here, as mm-hmm. the economy continues to change. Yeah. Um, it's you see you're seeing like Gen Four almost come up onto YouTube, and they're yeah. all experiencing the same thing. It's the same thing that happened to us. The same thing that happened to the people after them. It's yeah. like, well, pe- you know what's great is um, as a case study. What I find really really fascinating, what I get really really excited about is I hate the term influencer. Like I like I want to throw up every time I hear somebody say that they're an influencer because everybody's an influencer to some degree, shape, or right. form. Maybe the one. It's almost yeah. derogatory. It may be, it may be it one is. person. It may be two. A million people, but with like what's going to happen as people start shifting, it's, it's not, they're still going to be like advertising is, is multi-billion dollars. Like industry. That's never it's, going it's, away. It's never going away. Yeah. Right. But we'll start seeing true influencers, like people who may have been able to do a brand deal for like a few thousand dollars actually have a really, really rabid, strong following, be able to convert really, really well. I mean, you look at, look at, uh, was it, who is it Kylie Jenner that has the lipstick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, she has that multi-billion dollar makeup company. Thing. Billion yeah. dollars. Yeah. With a, a B. Billion, yeah. With a B. As I think her, her, her net worth is, is projected around 900 plus, which is way more than any of the other Kardashians. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's an influencer with a, uh, a product driven, uh, influence mm-hmm. versus an ad driven influence. Yeah, I mean, that's, and, I think that's what we're seeing. And I think that's what I mean by th- these next generations that are coming up. Like, mm-hmm. the, they're going to see the same thing. Like, I mean, the, f- the first thing that everyone tries to do when they pick up a camera phone uh, is uh, shoot a video and try to get it to go viral. Yeah. And then after that, after you do that for a little while and you figure it out and you realize, oh, we're actually, in the grand scheme of things, we're kind 
and I don't mean this as a derogatory to people that are struggling because everyone's getting screwed. We're all eating a shit sandwich, but like, yeah, yeah, for sure. You realize how quickly you're getting screwed. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah. oh, wait a minute. Exactly. I'm selling this for somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Why am I not selling this for myself? Well, and you're having to kind of castrate your content in that mm-hmm. sense. You're yes. not and like at the risk of being inauthentic, which I think is, is arguably way worse. Like we, when you start right. like selling, selling out for the sake of yeah. advertising, like, no, yeah, no, well, yeah. Well, you know, I think there's, we, we, we talk a lot about YouTube on this podcast because a lot of the people who, you know, who have as guests are heavily related to YouTube and have history with it. And, Court or cast, and a YouTube sometimes, cast. Yeah, <laughs> but, 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 you know, I frequently question, you know, how, how like relatable are these stories, so to speak, you know, like, you know, we're either influencers or filmmakers to a degree, content creators maybe is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now not everyone necessarily goes out doing this stuff, you know, it's a very small percentage. But um, when I think about that relatability and we start to look at, you know, a lot of these other, I guess, jobs and the way the economy shifted shifted over the last few years. I think, sure, like it's way more relatable than when than ever right now because effectively we're seeing the same thing happen that we saw on YouTube happen with yeah Uber, mm-hmm. the Postmates delivery services, any any app that basically allows you to basically uh, get money, get or get a gig or get a job really quickly. Right. Yeah. You know, and in YouTube is basically the same version of that. It kind of all, almost in a way was a precursor to it, except yeah. the, the, I would say the big difference between YouTube and Uber for, for that for that matter is, you know, YouTube is scalable. You know, it's yeah. not like you can trick your car into driving but, like three okay, times the miles. About this. What but you, you can trick a viewer into watching three times the views, so to speak, yeah. with the right tactics. What if you had a... But it's the same... It's the same exact concept, though, <laughs> where you, you, you're tapping it. You're basically giving yourself up to, like, an algorithm, effectively. Yeah, yeah. that is and, the same. And, and this, like, yeah. this kind of just, like, network, effectively, to try and earn your revenue. Right, and anyone can do it. I mean, I guess, I don't know if you can do this on Uber or not, but a way that you could scale is if you owned multiple vehicles. You could lend them out to people who don't own a vehicle. Who would just have a driver's so license? Well, that's that's the concern for uh, self-driving cars is that yeah. that people are just going to buy up fleets of them and right. there you go, Uber. Yeah, yeah. right. But I've, I mean, you can't trick your passenger into riding three x miles. No, but you're right in the sense <laughs> that it's like it's a gig, it's a gig economy, it's like you were saying. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that. That that reminds me of the. Uh, uh, I'm going to go on a rant, but. It, <laughs> Do it. <laughs> the the, uh, the Takashi six nine six nine oh, Kanye God. song with Nikki. That's where it's like Kanye's like, oh my gosh, she's Instagram famous, but she can't keep a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love it, love yeah. it, no, love it's it. Real, that's, man. That's, that's that's yeah. That's but you're right about. that that that's the whole thing that bleeds back into the whole disconnect that people feel when they go to the grocery store or they go you go to Walmart and you're buying that thing and you're like, what is this? There, I have no. It might be perfect for me, but I have no feeling towards it whatsoever. Right. Yeah, and so at the end of the day, that's why you find yourself going back and and watching certain people and buying certain products because yeah. you you want that's what you want you and you want to support other people that are doing that with your purchasing choices and mm. you know yeah they say that you know gen x and z are spending more money on experiences than 
possessions and things along those lines too, which is kind of interesting. Um, you know, like traveling and and stuff like that. Well, so. they have nowhere to put the possessions. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, like, yeah, I mean, that gets in down a whole nother road. But uh, the um, like the future of ownership, I think, is going to change quite a bit over the next yeah generation yeah. here. Well, I think it, yeah, kind of all this stuff kind of plays into that a little bit. Too. It does. It very much so does. Um, you buy subscription. Yeah. You know, um, now in this case, it would come as a subscription, but like traditionally, you know, because traditionally it would cost you less to buy a subscription of coffee than to own a coffee company. Correct. Right. Yeah. But when it comes to something like your car or your home, traditionally people were buying those things and that's, that's going to continue to change yeah. quite a bit. I think there'll always be, a, there'll always be a market for ownership, but, um, Yeah. I, I don't know as much if that's gonna if that's gonna remain. Yeah, it's like it's basically so, Airbnb is probably working on that right yeah, now. Where it's, right? The, it's like Airbnb long term, where it's basically <laughs> what you mean, renting an apartment? <laughs> yeah, but without all the paperwork. Yeah, yeah. without all the. You so, know, you just like yeah. hit a button. We're getting to that Fight Club moment. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like reducing all the things that you you possess in life to keep from it owning you. There's already a, a car rental company that you can do that with a car rental app. Yeah. And uh, where you, and there's also like um, car rental apps where you can, well, you rent them to, you, you it's like a Airbnb for your car. Mm-hmm. I know we, we, well, we use one similar called Relay Rides. Well, I think, I think they're back now, but they were they're they, on the rise. Okay. Well, I, I don't remember what happened, Sounds but sketchy. They were open, it was open for like a year. It was like this app. Just and, hiding drugs in it and everything. And you know, it's like, like the real long but it's super sketchy. I mean, to be totally honest, like we wanted a Porsche on on it. And like, for it's real weird. GTA. Yeah. So we go and yeah. meet this lady. She gives me the keys. She's like, all right, don't think, do anything stupid with it. And I'm like, yeah, nope. <laughs> nope. Too much totally problem. on the LA River with a boom pole with a camera yeah. on it. <laughs> Driving down the LA River. <laughs> I mean, obviously that was a risk. It's like, not like we messed the car up by any means. Yeah. Right. You know, it's no more damage than driving it on a Don't highway. worry, the statute of limitations has passed. I yeah. know, I know. But, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I get it. And that's, I mean, that, and that drives up the value of it though, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, with a similar thing that we're doing, uh, at least product-wise, product, product wise, is this book. Um, so, I, I I hope it does well. I hope people That's actually exciting. enjoy it. It's not as consumable. It's not as... as, as like a coffee, No, I mean, it's not, a, it's not yeah. a granola bar. That's for sure. But, but it, it broadens the demographic, though. Yes. Like, people so, who may appreciate... That's the, the idea. I was looking at the cover of it and everything. Mm-hmm. like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. This is awesome. Thanks. I hope if we just if we can find the five percent of people that enjoy it that don't know who we are, I think it's a success. Yeah, and the, you know what's what's crazy is like a lot. You know, I mean, you get a lot of people out there that are just haters and trolls and whatnot. But I think that the 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 core of what we do and you guys and everyone else is like you can see it in the content that you create, right? Where it's like you never try to phone it in. Yeah. It's not like you're trying to dupe anybody over with clickbait or yeah. uh, a compromised story or post-production or anything like that. We just want to do more. We want to do better, you know? And so right. it's like, help us, help us help everyone. 
you know, in this process. And, you know, there are unfortunate people who do exploit that, that situation and stuff like that. But that's what I, I when I see in the book and everything, I'm like, oh, this is, this is a great value proposition. Like, like this is, this is exciting. This is really cool. I'm glad to see that you guys did that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's the only thing outside of just like getting into game design itself right now that can take what we're doing, like our strengths and create a product out of it. Because, I mean, I don't know if it's a if it really is a rule, but I've kind of set it a, a rule for myself though, which is that like video content has no value, and the va- value has to come from whatever surrounds it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and it mostly just stems from the way I've seen YouTube as an ad based system, and like even Netflix is as a subscription based system, and just how how content in general has shaped itself over the last few years. Where it's like, okay, yeah, the content itself has got to be free. If it's if it's a rectangle and it's moving, you know, just let it be free, and then find another let it way. Be free. Well, seriously, because like I just feel like, especially in our space with, you know, our our audience too, and we've we've kind of established that rule, you know, in a sense where it's like, yeah, these no, are, absolutely, absolutely. I don't know if it's the same way for everyone else, but at, and, at this point, yeah. it's kind of like we're we're. We're kind of beholden to it. In it a would way. be, I think it would be exponentially foolish to, to go, well, we really want people to pay for our content. So let's diverge, go down an entirely new yeah. section of the industry, say TV or movies, and try mm-hmm. to get someone to pay for that and put yeah. all everything we've built on hold. It's like, why wouldn't we just take everything we've built and expand upon it in a new direction that's super creative, super fulfilling, and way more fun? Yeah. Yeah. I think you guys would really kill something in using like the AR kit or something along those lines, like the augmented, augmented mm-hmm. reality. Stuff. Yeah. Well, we, we have some, uh, buddies over at Google. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, we're going to yeah. be, we're going to be messing with that pretty shortly here. Hopefully. Awesome. Yeah. yeah there's some incredible stuff out there right now. Well, it's funny. Cause when, like I, I started programming like 2006, uh, when I, the iPhone came out, I was like, oh, this is going to be epic. This is going to be epic. So the, the iOS SDK was surprisingly pretty easy. Like I taught myself yeah. C plus plus and, you know, and Java and everything. But then, uh, using the, the Apple SDK was really easy. And some of these AR kits are just getting really good. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, Especially if you worked partnered with a firm or something like that, I'm sure you guys would just have a home run. Like. Yeah, well, it's like you can basically, um, you when you can roll footage with this stuff at this point. It's all 3D tracked. You can throw in 3D models in real time. Like you normally have to like rotoscope someone, but it can just do depth mats like on the fly mm-hmm. in real time. And basically, it, it does like these apps can do like almost ninety percent of the work that we sit here cranking on an After Effects <laughs> yeah. in real time. Yeah, like yeah, it's, 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 it's insane. And so, like, I'm just sitting here going, like, like, dude, the moment this exists, like, we everything we do is going to transform. Like, we're not going to be on the computers for like as long anymore. And I don't well, know. what was the 360 camera that they sent us the other day, where you can basically throw it across the room? Oh, and oh it'll, that, that, and it'll that's what I'm track. talking about. Yeah, it'll, yeah, it'll yeah, track the entire room. But it's not 360. It's not 360. But, okay. Um, but Sorry. it's just it's just a it's a phone camera yeah. that uses the processor to it, yeah, to do everything it, else for geez. you. It's, you yeah. can you can take it just like this and just go flick it across the room and so it maps I'm not actually it gonna do yeah that. well it, and it'll map it yeah exactly because it's not just using image-based tracking anymore it's using like all, all the sensors and accelerometers and imu inside the phone to make the data now right. so Heck i know yeah. it's like well this is filmmaking the end game of filmmaking you know it's yeah. like this is like 
you just pretty much throw the camera across the room <laughs> and then track <laughs> some stuff in in foot in photo in also well, you don't need le- you effects. don't need lenses anymore because if you have that depth layer so to speak you, you can just go like that's gonna be out of focus and then it does that bye yeah it's interesting though because you still have to have that understanding of it which is which is fascinating right because yeah well the understanding it's like it's well it's the easiest and the hardest part right so depends depends on what angle you come at it from yeah it's only the entire art of it because i i feel like even that and like you know like 3ds or cinema 4d and stuff like that i think a lot of people right I think a lot of people with <laughs> oh, that's funny. A lot of people they they can they they get in those situations and then the world's their oyster, and then they're overwhelmed by possibilities and they just really don't execute it the way that it it could be done. Whereas if you're limited in the real space, it's like okay, I'm gonna use this lens and I'm gonna like compress the image this way or with like this or use this focal length or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like well, now you have every opportunity, but do you really understand artistically? why you want to do something or how you're going to achieve that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where the artist artistry comes in. Yeah. You know, and that, that you can't, no machine, listen here, machines. Well, none of you will ever be able to do that. That's just well, yeah. They'll just algorithmically <laughs> figure out what statistically most people like, and then they'll just right. implement that. It'll that just technique. be a creepy version of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll, yeah. Yeah. I'll just That's, take all. I'll take all the videos that that you're uh, that it's demonetizing for you, and just make like a like a more safe for work version, and then I'll re-upload it. Uh, I did that in a video. Like I took and I like I took and I put like Minecraft uh, bows and arrows on like the 50 cal and everything. So it was like so you couldn't. Did see you? It. So you couldn't <laughs> did, see it didn't right. work. And so like in slow mo, when the bullets like leaving, it's like a Minecraft arrow. <laughs> Did, so that worked I, I mean it's still monetized right now so it worked i guess wow 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 so yeah. yeah um oh, wow. so richard what's what's next for you man what are you gonna blow up next what are you gonna make next what it, what's oh i have no idea i don't know if i really want to talk about um I, I have a couple of projects one is easily the most requested video i've ever had like in 10 years it's like at, at least one one um comment in each what's video. that i don't really want to talk you don't want to talk it. about it um, oh come on! It's, you said it's the most. Requ- I mean, we you can don't just, have to yeah. make Jared, it. You want to look by, this up? Uh, yeah, no. Um, so <laughs> just uh, by making it doesn't mean you. Ha- just by mentioning it doesn't mean you have to make well, it. I just don't want anybody else to really like start focusing Mention on it. it. <laughs> I will say that like MythBusters <laughs> attempted it at one time, and okay. so I was gonna, you know, tar- uh, because I was part of that uh, Discovery family for a while. I was gonna see if Tori maybe want to come out mm. and uh, be a part of that video okay. or something along those lines. But it's it's one of those things where it's it's like it's it's a lot of math. It's a lot of math, and the margin for error is like, uh, like it's going to require a bunch of collapsible circuits, um, you know, measuring out to the grain of powder and ballistics and stuff like that. Sounds like and, some Minecraft. Is it how to carve stuff. a bullet? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, so, it, you know, it's, it, it's one of those things where it, it, it's going to require a couple of weeks of, of dedication and just testing and things mm-hmm. along those lines, and mm-hmm. I just really haven't had that. So I don't want to throw it out into the universe until no, I'm committed yeah. to it. Don't what, don't what, don't bring it up then. What was yeah. the last math heavy math heavy video you shot? Math heavy, um, you know I don't know. Um, I mean I've, I, I did some stuff where for Black Rifle one of the videos I wanted to do for a long time was taking a twenty millimeter uh, Vulcan from an F sixteen and mounting it to a Prius and a sat Matt and Evan down. I was like, Hey man, like, I don't know how much this is going to cost, but it's going to be around X. 
is this something that we could do for the coffee company? They're like, yeah, sure. It's like, all right, cool. <laughs> it, only, it took like seven or eight months to like to do and everything. And there was a lot of in theory moments where we're like trying to figure out are these electronic primers going to actually go? You just but, did this. Yeah, just did it yeah. in, in, in September and then created a series of videos with it. But the but this is all leading up to something else. And that's, that was one of the key components, right? Where it's like, I have to make sure that these electronic primers, because the ballistics formula that I need to be able to do what it is that I'm working on, I need to have such a, a precise uh, munition going through the air that the the delay of a mechanical firing pin triggering or initiating that projectile is too much of a variation. So really? uh, having electronic primers, so electricity, whenever another round punctures a collapsible circuit, it fires immediately. Yeah. That's the kind of, or, or it has a consistent delay. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I needed. And this was the stuff I had to figure out in this whole process. So can I stop you for one second? Yeah. And then you can keep going. For those of you who have no idea what Richard is talking about, he's talking about, he's, he's attempting an experiment where the delay time that occurs when a bullet fires out of a traditional weapon is too inconsistent for the experiment. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Cause soon as, as soon as you start getting into ballistics formulas, uh, be it with explosives or projectiles like uh, bullets and things along those lines. Look at it this way. When the bullet leaves a, um, a muzzle of a rifle or a weapon system or something along those lines, um, a lot of people think about the X and the Y axis, right? So you have your, your, your up and your down on a, a flat sheet of paper, but you also have a Z axis, which is the depth. And so if you take and you're off by just a, a, a fraction, a fraction of a millimeter on either the X or the Y, that translates to a lot downrange on the Z axis. That could be inches, it could be feet, it could be hundreds of feet, right? So depending on where you need to be hitting target and things along those lines, you need exact, like very, 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 very consistent and very, very precise. Um, Will you call us when you do that? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I'm, yeah, 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 I would for be sure. just down to take part in that. Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah, you guys find yourselves out in Texas. We'll get you a cowboy hat and some boots. (laughs) All my exes live in Texas. (laughs) Yeah, so there's that. I mean, I'm like for me, I'm 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 at this point where you know I I think you guys can kind of relate. Where you know, a lot of people will ask, "What what do you do? Like, what do you do?" And it's hard for me to really sum it up in one sentence. Like, I'll tell you what I like to do. Like I love analytics, I love marketing, um, but more than anything, I love storytelling. Uh, I like it a lot, and I don't know where that's going to lead me, um, but I love telling stories, um, either you know, um, biographical, fiction, whatever it is. Uh, you know, like here the last year or two, it's been telling stories within Black Rifle Coffee, or you know, friends of and things along those lines. Before it was you know, with Rated Red and, you know, everything that we were doing over there at Verizon, you know, the stuff that I was doing before was just kind of a means to an end that like on full mag, that's me being loud and having fun. That's getting views. It's, you know, having fun. It's, it's honing skills with slow motion. I mean, like I was, I was saying earlier, it's like, you know, I did 10 or 15 videos in a day. The quality is going to totally be compromised when you're trying to do that much, much, much quantity in such a short period of time. But I'm still refining skills and things along those lines. So yeah. 
that hopefully it helps facilitate in storytelling down the road for these things that I really care about. And I don't know where that's going to go over the next you know year or so, but I'm really, really thankful, really feel really grateful that I've got people that are willing to enjoy this um, kind of journey that I go on, things along those lines. So mm-hmm. we'll see where it goes. I, you know, I'm working on some stuff right now with some uh, some dogs and things along those lines because that's always been a big part of who I am and whatnot. So we'll see as uh, as my travels go and where those um, kind of creative inspirations come from. Yeah, so. man. Yeah, and it's been inspirational to, I mean, you know, because – You've been, we've been working together for, for, I mean, as far back as like the Immortals <laughs> parody. And Ooh, then we shot, even we shot an episode of Sync yeah. in your apartment. And yeah. like, you guys shot auto rifles with him like way back oh, in the gosh. day. So it's yeah. just been inspirational. Yeah, I knew you were back when you had that afro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it's all, now it's all fell out. Like, like, it's so funny. Like I went to the drop zone uh, and it's probably been a couple of years, but there's still people there that work there that I hadn't seen in a long time. And uh, I was like, oh, shit, they look so much older, so much older. And I'm like, wait, have I aged that much? Do I look at I'm, do I, maybe I should look in the mirror. We've all <laughs> aged, man. <laughs> but you guys don't really that much. I got gray coming in, though. Yeah, I got that in a big way. It's so funny when you start looking at it, it's like, oh, shit, man. Like, like YouTube was like, like, like content creation, like what I was doing with like Totally Sketch and everything was probably 2008 or 2009. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my God, that's like 11 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. 11 years ago. <laughs> my greatest fear is that I'm going to blink and I'm going to be like an old man with a cane in a Mario suit get, <laughs> making clickbait like gamer videos. <laughs> hey man, as long as you're enjoying it, right? That's, yeah. that's the other thing is yeah. like, I've been really like, you know, yeah. looking at these different things and um, you know, trying to soak it up and enjoying the ride and everything. That's one reason why I, I wanted to stop by here is like, man, like, you know, like life's way too short not to like yeah, have have uh, good times. So, yeah, so like, exactly. See, that's the thing. It's like you know, everyone, you know, in the back of their minds, you know, they're they're, they're all every. It's it's great reaching for the stars and aiming, but it's also really easy to like forget to look down and yeah. realize that you know maybe you are in a situation you do enjoy. So yeah, it's funny when so I I live down the road here. When I first moved to Los Angeles, probably oh, it was like 2004, 2005. Yeah. And um, this is before the LA Live project. And mm-hmm. MacArthur Park was known for being a fairly <clears throat> rough area yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. And I lived in this this house and it was a perceptionally like rough neighborhood. And I remember... I remember, like, you know, the, my days didn't really fill up with a lot. And mm-hmm. just, like, the community aspect and, you know, I guess maybe it was a, a gang territory and whatnot. But the community, like, like all of us would hang out on the, the weekends. We'd grill asada and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember I, I rototilled up the front yard and planted corn and then <laughs> rototilled up the backyard, planted okra. And then, like, so the neighbors would be like, hey, like, we get some corn and everything. It's like, yeah, let's grill out this weekend and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, it's like these these little things that really are nothing, but you know, there's the things that you mm-hmm. remember down the road and everything. It's oh, like, yeah. yeah, like like us playing airsoft and stuff like that. Gosh, yeah. It was like so much fun. It was like, okay, yeah. here's the work week. Okay, it's like Saturday or Sunday. Let's all right, let's go play airsoft or something like that. We used it's to like, go all the time. 
time, bro. Yeah. Now you can't afford to get injured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. We play more. We just do it in the building now. Yeah. yeah. We just do point blank. <laughs> I remember, I remember uh, like, we, were, we, we went to um, Tempest Free Running Academy, mm-hmm. and then everybody started getting <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I remember. No, I remember. That's when Clint Clint, Clint totally screwed up his leg, and then it was just like he was unable to be active for like a good two years after that. Yeah, he was like, "Yeah, I don't think it's ever gonna feel right again." And I'm like, "Wow, that's really sad. You just moved to LA. You're like 21. So (laughs) good. Leg up. So good. Yeah. So good. That was that was a great time. It was just funny watching everyone try and get into parkour." Yeah. It's like parkour was big back there in 2011. You know, it's like, ooh. I bet I can jump over that box. It's like parkour. Wow. Anyone can do it. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's got goes, legs, don't you, kid? <laughs> it's so funny. Everybody's like doing flips and like they're jumping over things. And then there's Richard in the back. He's just like running up the wall because he's tall. <laughs> it's like, I'd like just run and do the like the little foot thing is on the wall and just grab and climb on thing. Cool. Yeah. No, I'm having fun. Yeah. You keep doing the flip thing. That's fun. That's fun. It's cool. You're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, I parkoured up this ladder. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, not me. Not me. Yeah. That's great. Well, man, thanks for coming on. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, appreciate your opinions, your views and everything. Um, and uh, I wish you guys the best of luck in, in everything you're doing. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. We'll <laughs> see you in Austin in a little while here. Oh, shit. Yeah. We'll Bring it. There. Bring it. All right. Well, that was a great episode. Thank you, Richard, for coming on the podcast and hanging out with us, man. It was great catching up with you. It was great talking to you, and it was great learning a little bit more about the, uh, well, basically your crazy life. Um, And don't forget, today's episode sponsored by Top 10 Games You Can Play in Your Head by Yourself. This book is available on Amazon right now. You can find it by going to our website, corridordigital.com, and just clicking the link. It'll be at the top of the page. Can't miss it. Anyway, enjoy because this is a, things get crazy in this book. <laughs>